Welcome to the Home Church Podcast. My name's Kenny, and I serve as the lead pastor here at Home Church, and we gather in Maiden, North Carolina. We're so glad you tuned in to today's episode, and we hope that this episode will help encourage you and inspire you as you continue to follow Jesus step by step. Well, good morning and welcome to Home Church, and this is Home for Christmas. This is our Christmas gathering, and uh, my name's Kenny, and it's uh, my honor to be the lead pastor here. And man, I don't know about you, but I love going home for Christmas. Uh, this is something that, like, home and Christmas to me are, it's just something I love. Uh, Christmas and being at home brings back so many incredible memories for me as a kid and even as an adult and even still to this day. Uh, I, I remember so many pieces about like being home for Christmas. Uh, for, for us, we, we had some really special traditions. Like on Christmas Eve, uh, my mother's side of the family, which is large, my mom is the, the, the youngest of seven, and so she's got a big old family. And so on Christmas Eve, we would get together and have this like reunion-style uh, meal, and then the kids would get gifts, and it would be awesome. And then we'd go home, you know, and get ready for Christmas. Uh, another memory that I have is, is this thing that uh, my brother and I on Christmas Eve would actually sleep together, get, being in, anticipating getting ready for Christmas. Now, uh, if you just imagine uh, 10-year-old little Kenny and 5-year-old little Kevin, that's awesome. Uh, the problem is we still did that until I got married. Um, and I got married at the age of 28. <laughs> so... A little weirder now, right? But it, it was just something that we did. It was just this little tradition kind of thing that we had. And then as a part of that, my mother would always wake us up on Christmas morning with these singing plush toys, these stuffies that would sing these really annoying songs. And she'd blow in the door and, you know, say, Santa's come and all that kind of stuff. And we'd go running and, and it would be awesome. Those were things like I, I still remember. And even as an adult, I, I love those things. Uh, we still go home when we can uh, and, and celebrate, you know, Christmas with my mother and being at home. Uh, when we stay and we do Christmas at my mom's house, like my, my kids will sleep together in the same bed and my mom will rush in with a singing plushie and wake them up. And I'm, like, I'm, I'm five years old again uh, in that moment. And it's just, it's sweet. And it's things that I remember about being home. And even still to this day, it's sweet for me. But in a room this size, I, I have no doubt that there are some of you that are sitting here and you hear that story and you're like, yo, that ain't me. Like that, that's, not my, that's not my story. That's not my way. That's not, in fact, Christmas time is difficult. The idea of going home for Christmas is something I don't want to think about. Uh, maybe you've had difficulties with family in your past or maybe there's loss or, or devastation that's happened that going home brings those things back up. And maybe for some of you, you never really had a, a place to go home to for Christmas in the beginning. So the idea of going home for Christmas is just, man, it's not all that enticing, not all that encouraging, not all that hopeful and anticipatory. And so today I, I want to talk to you and I want to share this Christmas story that whether you've been coming to church your whole life or whether today's the first time you've ever cracked the door of a church, here's what I, I most likely can can trust that you've heard the Christmas story at some point in your life. And more likely than not, you've heard the Luke 2 version of the Christmas story before. And I want to share it with you today, but I want to share it to you in a different context and, and in a way maybe you've never even seen or considered before or around this idea of home for Christmas. So if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to join me in uh, the, the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to start in chapter 2. 
Uh, maybe today you didn't bring a Bible completely fine. Uh, we have a home church app you can download if you want. Uh, we have the sermon notes filled right in. The YouVersion Bible app also has a live event happening right now that you can follow along in the scripture. If you're watching online or watching later, we're going to put the scripture at my feet. And if you're here in the house, we'll put the scripture on the screens here. I want you to be able to see and read along as we go through this and to see this story maybe in a totally different way. And so if you have your Bible, join me in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 1. We're going to read this really familiar Christmas story. It says this, uh, in, the, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was one of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Now, a little context, and some of you may know this, some of you may not, but, but this is basically the precursor to the birth of Christ Jesus. Now, what's happened before this moment is that Mary, the mother of Jesus, has found out that she is pregnant, and her fiancés, his name is Joseph, and it ain't his, <laughs> right? And so we find out that Mary is pregnant through the Holy Spirit, and an angel told her that she will give birth to the Messiah, the, the, the promised Savior of the world. Now, if you can only imagine parts of this story, and you've probably heard and thought about this before, of how that relationship with Mary and Joseph would be like and, and how that would happen, but all of a sudden now in this context of this pregnant woman with her fiance, they have to go back to Joseph's hometown to be registered. Now, what would happen during a census is that everyone would pile back into their hometown. And so I want you to have the understanding that this isn't just some normal kind of thing. Like everyone piling back into your hometown, think about what that would look like. For your hometown, for everyone who's ever lived there, originally they were born there to come back. I mean, the place might be kind of crowded. And that's what happened here, is that all of a sudden this place is very, very crowded, right? And all of the people are coming back home, and even Joseph is coming back home to where his family would be. So this is, this is, uh, this is how the story goes on uh, in Luke chapter 2, verse 6. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Now, the, the traditional telling of this Christmas story, uh, you, you've had this image put in front of you your whole life. That Mary and Joseph come back to their hometown and the whole place is crowded. And it's like they're going around and they're going from hotel to hotel, motel to motel, roach motel to roach motel. Trying to find a place for this woman to lay down and have her baby. Right? We have this, this image of this like flashing no vacancy sign, right? That's, that's kind of this image that we have. And then finally, most people think, oh, well, we have this, this nice innkeeper who says, well, we ain't got no room for you, but there's a barn out back, right? That's the traditional way in which we've been uh, told and that we've understood the Christmas story. There's no room at the inn. Well, I want to I fill you in a little bit today, and I want you to understand that that understanding is entirely inaccurate. Uh, oftentimes, when we, we read the word in, we think about a hotel. 
But I want you to understand, but that word in is actually uh, translated from a root word called cataluma. Now, that's a fun word to say. Would you say that with me? Would you say cataluma? cataluma. Yeah, cataluma. Now, what cataluma actually translates to is guest room. Guest room. Now, here's what I know. Many of you are at some point over the holidays, you're going to be traveling home, and you're probably going to see family, and you're going to end up in a guest room. Somebody has prepared a room for you. They've uh, washed the linens. They've kind of gotten the towels and the, and the you know, hand towel laid out and all that good stuff, and they've prepared a guest room for you. So what I need you to understand is this common understanding of how this story went, as tragic as it is, is actually way worse. Think about this. Everyone coming back to their hometown, Joseph bringing his pregnant wife back to his family's house. This house would be made of multiple levels. The top level would house the matriarch and the patriarch and most likely their immediate family, sons and daughters. The, the, the next layer down would probably carry most of the extended family. This might be grandma, grandpa, uh, cousins, uh, uncles, folks that might still live in the house together who uh, maybe didn't have a house of their own. And then on the bottom floor, this is where they would have animals. And so we have this image of Jesus being born in a stable, and the reality is it's way worse. Could you imagine coming home when everybody else is coming home, all the families gathering together, and Joseph brings Mary, his pregnant fiance, in, and they say, we got nothing for you. We can't put you up uh, in, in the family room. We can't put you up in one of the guest rooms. Like, all we got for you is downstairs with the animals. And so this idea of this story, and it's already sad when we thought about it that they were staying out in the stable, but it's way more tragic when we understand that they went home in this critical moment in their life and they were rejected by their own family and put downstairs, out of sight, out of mind. And there are some of you in the room today, you can actually relate to that because of maybe things that you've said or things that were said to you, maybe things that you've done or maybe things that have been done to you, going home reminds you of those moments of being rejected, cast aside, put down in the basement. We got no room for you. This is wildly unheard of in this culture. In this culture, it's full of hospitality. If you and I were to show up in this culture today, they would welcome us in. They would empty the cupboards. They would make all of the food and the drink that they have, and they would give you the best of their rooms, and they would say, welcome, friend, welcome, family. They would take care of you. And, the, and here's the interesting part. In this culture of such great hospitality, the rejection was so great, even of family, they said, we got nothing for you. Could you imagine, and I know some of you can, what it feels like for family to say, I know you're pregnant. I know you, your finances are in ruin. I know you've got nowhere else, place, no other place to go, but we got nothing for you either. Man, it brings this Christmas story into a whole new context. A, a, a way more um, powerful and even hurtful understanding of the birth of our Christ. The Savior of the world, God's one and only Son who came to this earth. Many of us thought he was born in a stable. Even worse, he was rejected by his family from the very beginning of his days. 
Now, interesting, because some of us now also have the image that Joseph and Mary showed up in town, and then all of a sudden she just had a baby. But the Bible actually said that, and the time then came for her to give birth. Put yourself in that spot. You show up. There's all this weird tension amongst your family. You've been rejected. You've been, you've been relegated to the basement where the other animals are in filth. And who knows actually how long Mary and Joseph stayed in that space, dealing with that rejection before finally then giving birth. Man, it sets a whole new stage for this idea of the first Christmas. And it sets a whole new understanding and paradigm for all of us when it looks like the idea of coming home for Christmas. And so our Savior, Christ Jesus, we celebrate his birth at this time of year. But maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but Jesus lived a life. He was not only born at Christmas, but he lived a life for 33 years. And along that journey, he, he became a, a full-grown man. We say that he was fully God and fully man at the exact same time. The incarnate God. And, and so what happens is Jesus, along his journey, he dealt with all the same things you and I do, rejection. In fact, one of the things that he says in his early preaching, he says that no prophet is welcome in their hometown. You don't think the early days of rejection, even before he was born, was nestled deep into his heart? Of course it was. Jesus lived this life and from the very beginning had been rejected. Along the way, his hometown would reject him again. The Bible says that he couldn't even perform miracles there because they wanted no part of it. And then at the end of his life, he was rejected by many, called a liar and a fake, and they ultimately, they convicted him, and they put him on a cross, and he died. But before all that happened, Jesus, along his journey, started to preach and started to to teach, and one of the ways that he did that was he shared stories. Now, we have this Christmas story in the, the, the gospel of Luke, and just a few chapters later, I want you to see something really beautiful and really powerful here, because Jesus starts to teach And with this idea of how Jesus, at his birth, going home for Christmas, had been rejected, one of the times that he teaches, he actually teaches about what it would look like in the kingdom when people come home. I want you to see this. You've maybe heard this story before as well. But I want you to see it in this context. So if you're in your Bible, slide over to Luke chapter 15. Just a few chapters over from where we were just reading about Jesus' birth. Now he's moving and traveling and he's teaching and he shares this story that many of you have heard before. It says this in Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. Jesus continued because he had already been teaching and preaching in the form of stories or parables. He says, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. And so he divided his property between them. There's a lot here that I'd love to unpack, but, but, but there's really something else I'm trying to get to today. Verse 13, not long after that, the young son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. 
He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. I want you to see this. This is Jesus. He's teaching. He's he's telling about this kingdom that he came to bring to earth. He's talking about when he references the father, he's talking about God the father. He's talking about himself as God. And so here, this Messiah who came to save us in his teaching has this moment from the very beginning of his life, this rejection, this casting aside has stuck in him. And he remembers what it was like to come home and being rejected and relegated to the basement. And he starts to tell a story about this kingdom that he came to bring, how very different coming home looks in the kingdom and with him. All of that pain, all of that hurt, all of the rejection that he's experienced across his whole life, he's had and he's felt at home. And yet, he shares this beautiful story and this beautiful imagery of what it looks like to come back home to him. And I want you to see what this looks like. This is verse 20. Again, the son has decided to come back home, and here's what it says. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. This son said to him, Father, I have sinned against you and against heaven. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they begin to celebrate. Friends, I came to declare to you today in this Christmas season, that this Savior who, from the very beginning, this early, this Christmas, this first Christmas, had felt and experienced rejection like many of you have, even from his own family, from others who he desired and wanted their their attention and their acceptance. And along his journey, but despite all of that rejection, he preaches about a kingdom and a king and a father whose house is deals with this very differently. That coming home is dealt with very differently in the kingdom. And so friends, I came today to tell you that Jesus knows what it feels like to be rejected, cast aside. But I also came today to tell you that he wants you to come home. Now, I know that in a room like this, the idea uh, that, that coming home, especially in this context, is hard for some of you. You've been hurt, and you feel like maybe you've been hurt by God. 
You've been hurt by the church or the house of God. You've been hurt. And so coming back to God and coming back to the house is, feels like, yo, I don't know if I want any part of that. But I got news for you. I got, I, got, I got a story to tell you. And the story is the same one that Jesus shared, which is there is a waiting and a watchful father who stands and he's waiting for his sons and daughters to come to their senses and realize how good this father actually is and to turn and to start walking towards him. And the Bible says, and it gives this image, not of a father who rejects and says, I got no room for you. You can't come here. I know you've done this. I know you've done that. I know you said this. I know you said that. None of that, friends. We We have a father who is waiting, and when he sees you, he takes off running out to meet you, and he wraps his arms around you, and he kisses you, and he gives you the robe and the sandals and the fatted calf, and he says, welcome home, son. Welcome home, daughter. You've been lost, but you are now found. We are going to celebrate. That is the picture of the kingdom, and that is the picture of coming home that I want you to see today. So today, I came to offer a very simple invitation. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've done. I don't know what's happened to you. But here's what I do know. The invitation to come back home is on offer for you right now. Son, daughter, I know you felt rejected. I know you've been hurt. I know you feel lost. But in this Christmas season, celebrating the birth of our Christ, his rejection is your invitation. His being turned away is your saying, come home. And so I offer that to you right this moment. Would you come home for Christmas? Here's what that looks like. It's actually very simple. The Lord makes it really clear that all he asks for you is to turn and to walk towards him. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ, this same Christ that we celebrate at Christmas that we talk about, if you believe that he is the son of God, and if you believe that he was raised from the dead, And if you speak that with your mouth, the Bible says that you would be saved, meaning you would turn and walk towards home and God would swallow you up with his love. He will meet you right here in this moment. And so friends, I offer you that invitation right now to come home. I don't know what you came in here with today. I don't even know how you got here. Maybe it was a social media thing you saw. Maybe a friend invited you. Maybe you've been coming to home church for a little while. But this moment is for you. And the invitation is not even from me. It's from Jesus to come home. Well, pastor, how do I I know this is for me? The whole time I've been talking, all of this, you felt like I was looking at you. You felt like I was talking directly to you. That's how you know. That's the Holy Spirit of God stirring and preparing your heart for this moment right now where the Father says, it's okay, come on home. I invite you to come home. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And nothing weird here, nobody's gonna do anything weird. I just ask you to do that out of just reverence. When we bow our eyes, it's like bowing our knees. It's a moment of introspective consideration. So here's what I'll ask you to consider despite all of your hurt and your pain, 
is it time for you to come home today? Over these next moments, I'm going to lead our entire congregation in a prayer. And we're going to say it out loud. And we do that for the benefit of anyone who may pray it for the first time. Because again, the Bible says that if you believe in your heart that Christ is Lord and he was raised from the dead, if you confess it with your mouth that you would be saved. I want to give you the opportunity to do that. But it's not even really about the the magic words of a prayer. It's about the posture of your heart. Are you ready to come home today? Are you ready to surrender? Because there's a waiting and a watchful father who's ready to welcome you home. Friends, would you pray this with me? Would you say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I'm lost without you. But I'm ready to come home. Will you forgive me? I've sinned against you. But today I want to turn from it. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And I believe he was raised from the dead. Will you save me? And friends, I believe if you prayed that with a sincere heart, that right now you have entered in spiritually already into the gates of heaven. You've been welcomed home. I believe that the peace of God will fall over you right now and you will know that your eternity will be secure and you are home for eternity. And with your head still bowed and your eyes still closed, everyone came in today with a, 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 a candle. I want to. I, I know I told you to close your eyes, but <laughs> maybe grab your candle. And here's what I want to invite you to do. I, I want to make sure it's off. But this is a holy moment for someone in the room. I believe that. This candle is a representation of a decision that you just made today to come home. The Bible says that Jesus is the light who gives life and he brings and he destroys the darkness. When you've received Jesus, now you carry the light of the world with you wherever you go. And so here's what I want to invite you to do because I don't want to embarrass you. If I'll invite everyone again to close your eyes and bow your heads. But if you prayed that prayer today for the very first time, or you prayed it again because it's time for you to come back home, here's what I want to invite you to do. No one's looking around. It's just me and you. I want to invite you to just turn your candle on and just, you don't even have to lift it very high. Just turn it on and lift it right around your head. And I want you to leave it there for a moment. You made that decision. You prayed that prayer. I want you to turn your candle on and, and hold it up just a little bit because here's what I want to do. No one's looking around. I want to pray. I, w- I want to like encourage you, but I want to count. I just want to count those. So I want to give you a moment. If you prayed that prayer, turn your light on. Hold it up. No one's looking around. I want to count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. I'll invite everyone to turn your lights on. And I'll trust that if you're in the room and you prayed that prayer or along your journey, you prayed that prayer that the light of God lives within you and you carry it with you wherever you go. And I want to celebrate with you today. Church, I want to celebrate that 13 people came home today. Can you help? That's a huge deal. Come on now. I know you got a candle in your hand, but we could celebrate that. That's a big deal. So I want to invite you to stand to your feet and everyone to turn your candle on. And we're going to sing one more song. But I want to pray over you as we do that. Father, in the name of Jesus, our Savior, who we celebrate his birth 
right now. But God, we celebrate his death and we are blessed by his resurrection. God, I say thank you. I thank you for today. I thank you for 13 sons and daughters who chose to come home. I thank you for this house. I thank you for an environment where people can feel welcome to come back to you, God. We say thank you. We love you and we bless you. And we say thank you for Christmas. We say thank you for the birth of Jesus. And we bless you in the name of Jesus. Come on, church. Let's sing. Thanks for listening to today's episode there's anything that we can do to serve you or come alongside of you in your journey, please reach out. You can reach us at hello at myhomechurch.cc.